Hi there, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters podcast, where I'm joined by my wife, Olympic mental performance coach, Stephanie Hanlon-Francie. In these episodes, Stephanie and I have a conversation about the different aspects of what we refer to as Mindset Matters, because we believe that for those who are awake, we are living in and through the most impactful time in history. Your view of the world is the filter for how you will experience the evolution and changing dynamics of it. Our intention is to provide you with ideas, nutritious food for thought, and some tools that you can use to help you in being your greatest self and living your best life. Listen in. Enjoy. Hey there, and welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters. Stephanie. Hey, hon. Now, we've got, as always, a great topic. We're talking mindfulness, the importance of mindfulness, what it means, and why exactly is being mindful important, the benefits of being mindful, and maybe some signs that you need to be mindful. What's your thoughts? Well, mindful is such a good word, and I, I love it because it aligns with our Mindset Matters theme. Mindfulness, I think, is something that gets misinterpreted. Um, so it'd be fun to discuss this today. Yeah, I mean, really, mindfulness about really at its core is about being present. And are we aware enough to know that we're not being mindful, that we're not being present? And so that's what I want to unpack in this conversation. Now, before we get going, a couple of little housekeeping details. You know, first, uh, we did launch our YouTube Everyday Millionaire Mindset Matters segment. So if you're interested in seeing us on YouTube, we'd love to have you subscribe and like and share and do all the things that you do, whether it's audio or the YouTube version of it. That's the first and most important thing I'd like to get out there. We'd like to get some followers and grow that YouTube channel. But the other question was, I kind of a regular listener texted in and contacted me on uh, Facebook and DM me and said, Patrick, can you just share with us why you guys are doing this? Why do you do what you do in regards to Mindset Matters? Or I guess for me, even the Everyday Millionaire podcast with my other guests. So I thought I'd give some insights into why we do this. And that was my thought. Anything you want to add before I do that? Well, I'd like to know why we do this. <laughs> Good question. Well, listen, at the end of the day, we do it because we love to do it. It's a way for us to kind of get caught up uh, once a week with our own life and uh, have a discussion about it uh, in a funny kind of way. But really, we do this for a number of reasons, not the least of which is because it's kind of what drives us. It's part of what our highest values are to be a contribution, to bring awareness for people to elevate and be their best selves, live their greatest lives. The other part of it really is, is that we're trying to and wanting to continue to elevate our own brand. When we look at some of the goals that we have, it really is to grow some of our coaching programs. And we don't talk about it a lot, but we have really three different programs that we talk about or that we have presented and done. One is Shift, Setting Honest Intentions for Transformation. And through the Real Estate Investment Network, we launched Think Tank, which was an awesome, awesome program. And we enjoyed that. JG, Frank, and I did that. You participated in that one as well. And that led into a whole program called Incubator. And those were focused on entrepreneurs, real estate investors, individuals who had already achieved a lot, but were really wanting to go to the next level and wanted to figure out how to get out of their own way, if you will. So that was part of that. And so that's really it. Elevate our brand. Uh, eventually talk about some of our programs if people are interested in and, uh, hanging out with us live in real person kind of stuff. And that was really it for me. Anything you want to add? 
Well, you know, when you get back to the why, it's really the whole center point of what drives me for anything that I do is 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 purpose and contribution and and thinking that, you know, what was hilarious when we did that when we did the ask us anything is that we both kind of thought we're not that interesting. Why are people interested A in listening to us and then B asking us questions? And I think what it is is that What's happening right now is that the reality of of real friendship, real relationship, real conversation sometimes is getting lost in, you know, in social media. And we certainly are not perfect and we're not, you know, presenting a life that, you know, shows all the great things and all our travels and how perfect our, our yard is and all this stuff. We don't have that. That's not our persona. But what we do have is the ability to communicate with each other and relate to each other in a way that maybe resonates with people. I don't know if that's true, but I think that's the feedback I'm getting. So that activates my why. So I really appreciate the question about why do we do this? Yeah, it's great to elevate the brand and, uh, you know, evolve our programming. And if people want to join us in our programs, that's awesome. But ultimately, I think there's enough conversations that we choose, we pick and choose, and then we get some interesting feedback that people say, well, why don't you talk about mindfulness or meditation or humility or it just, you know, it just, conversations that I, I call it conversations that matter beautiful okay so let's get on with the show and this is a discussion about mindfulness and being present i you know when we take on these topics it's always kind of good to give a baseline of a definition for mind, mindfulness which in this case is focusing one's awareness on the present moment especially as part of a therapeutic or meditative technique that was one definition or conscious or aware of something. So when I think about being mindful, for me, it really is being mindful and aware, mostly aware, of what's happening in my surroundings, what's happening with the people that are around me at that time. It could be in a meeting or just hanging out with people, having a conversation, being mindful of my surroundings. When I'm driving, I try and be mindful, probably not as good as I could be, but really mindful is having that awareness and I really do agree with the definition about being present, because in order to be mindful, you do, in fact, have to be present. Now, do you want to expand on that from your, I know we chatted about this briefly, and you had some really good points that I know you want to make. So what's your thoughts? Well, I think there is a distinction about being present and being mindful. I can be present to uh, to what it is that I'm doing, or I can be present to washing dishes, or I can be present to gardening, or to doing whatever is so that I'm not being distracted. So I'm not missing the moment. When I add the layer of mindfulness, what happens is that it brings me more to the present moment, but also into the future. Being present is really important and I get it, but it's really grounding in the now. And what I like to do is get grounded in the now, but also link to the future. Because if we're living in the past or if we're sitting there doing something that matters to us, whether it's gardening or or uh, washing dishes for me, I love folding laundry, that really helps me. It's like a meditation for me, which I know sounds weird, but it also links me to the past. When I think of mindfulness, I go, what is it that I'm doing? And am I present not just to the gardening, but am I allowing my mind to be in the moment when I'm washing dishes or gardening or skating or being with a client. Because if I bring my mindfulness to that, I'm not just going through the motions. And I think sometimes when we're being present to something, if we're not adding that moment of, of pause, of being mindful to the actual process of what we're doing, then we miss the gift of the, the connection between being present and being mindful. 
So when you look at, and just based on what you said, so when you consider mindfulness, to your point, you're talking about washing dishes, folding laundry, or whatever tasks you're doing. When you, if I heard you right, it is being present to the tasks that you're doing. But are you saying that you kind of don't let your mind wander off? Like, I'm not quite following. I want you to expand on that a little bit. Because when I'm doing a lot of tasks, if I'm doing a kind of mindless task, that for me is a time to think about things and to, in fact, let my mind wander a little bit to even if I'm, say, listening to a podcast or listening to some music. But for me, that is the time for me when I'm doing something mindless that doesn't take a lot of thought. I'm being mindful and, and intentional of maybe some of the things that I'm thinking about. So it's not necessarily mindless wandering, you know, letting thoughts come, letting them go and going down rabbit holes of thought. It's often, you know, thinking about a problem, thinking about a project, thinking about what I'd like to do next. So to me, there's a degree of mindful in there. So what you just said didn't sound like that unless I misunderstood it. No, I think I think that's what it is. It's about uncovering and discovering what being mindful is for you. For me, when I'm doing mundane tasks, Yes, sometimes I'll have something in the background or I'll listen to one of my podcasts or one of my favorite speakers or something, but I'm not being distracted by it because there's something very um, meditative about doing certain tasks in my in my day-to-day life. I'm not talking about when I'm at an event with an athlete or I'm, I'm speaking or whatever, when I, I really have trained myself to be present and mindful about delivering what it is that I want to deliver without expectation of anybody, you know, having a, a, a grandiose experience. I'm talking about the difference between if I'm doing a task, sometimes I need to use it as a meditation. Sometimes I need it to be quiet and repetitive and mindful to that and how I'm, I just, well, for an example today, I spent all day purging my closet. And if I wasn't mindful to what, what I was doing, I wouldn't have actually had the experience that I had. So I looked at each piece of clothing or each thing that I had stuffed in a corner and and actually was present to it and said, okay, I can put this here. I can recycle this. I can throw this away. I wasn't just going through it just to get it done. So I think there's um, a couple of different ways of looking at it. It's getting through it to just getting it done. Or when I watched you power wash this weekend, it's like you were power washing like a madman. It was so in, you know inspiring and so it was so productive. And yet I knew you were listening to a podcast or you were listening to and, and really feeding your mind with things that were interesting. So you were still present to the task, but giving yourself, you know, some brain food at the same time. So I think as we expand on mindfulness, it's what it means to you. For me, being mindful means I'm being aware of what it is that I'm doing and the impact that it's having on my physiology. Is it allowing me to relax? Is it allowing me to take a breath? So when I'm with an athlete, for example, I have, yes, I have to be very present, but I'm also mindful about what's going on around them. I can pick up a distraction over here. I can pick up a drama over here because I'm aware and being mindful of what it takes to be present with that athlete. So that's why I'm saying this, that there's a lot of dimensions between in the connection uh, with being mindful and being present. You know, there's a part of being mindful. And one of the things that is talked about is in order to sometimes reduce stress, uh, reduce anxiety, worry, concern. It is about being mindful. It is about being present. And often anxiety, worry is about future events, not 
realized. The future events that we anticipate are going to be far worse than they are. We live into the fear, the anxiety, the worry, where mindfulness brings you back into the present. But I also consider that mindfulness is also about the awareness of what your thoughts are. So in other words, being mindful of these thoughts that are going through your head in that may be even driving the anxiety and driving the awareness or the, sorry, driving the anxiety and driving the worry, but being mindful of the thoughts that are driving that worry and driving that anxiety. So it sounds a little bit convoluted, but it really is about understanding. And it's why mindful uh, often is connected to meditation. Understanding that when you're in meditation, you're being mindful. You're absolutely taking the time to be present, to observe your thoughts, to let them come and let them go. And that's also being mindful. And just because we're on the topic, I brought up meditation. This is something that you and I have talked about in different podcasts, but ultimately we hear often that people don't or can't meditate, they say. And that's generally because I just can't get my mind to quiet down. I just, I'm always thinking and I can't stop it. And that's the thing about uh, fundamental understanding or misunderstanding of meditation is that it's not about having this no thinking, no thoughts, because ultimately that's not possible. What you want to get into in terms of a meditation is understanding that let the thoughts come and then let them go. You know, go back to your breath, go back to your mantra, whatever that might be, and understanding that thoughts come and then the whole point of meditation is not to grab that thought and go with it. <laughs> it's to let it go. It's to go back to the breath. You often hear those individuals who are teaching meditation go <sighs> back to the breath. You know, thoughts come back to the breath. So the point is, is not to go down the rabbit hole of the thought. That really is in its essence meditation. And soon the thoughts don't come as frequent. Soon they start to slow down. Soon you're letting those thoughts go. So I don't know if I'm describing it well, but that's also part of mindfulness. I guess is my point in that kind of brief explanation of meditation, that people have this expectation that they're going to, you know, not have any thoughts in meditation. That's just not the case. I mean, there's sometimes a place where in my experience of meditation, there is a gap that there's a nothingness and no thought, no mind, no nothing. And then boom, a thought comes in. It's like, ah, you know, Yeah. <laughs> but it really is not the goal for me of meditation or mindfulness. It's about non-attachment. And I think about one of the laws of the, for me, one of the laws of the universe is, is, is non-attachment is that whether it's a thought or a belief system or um, whatever it is in, in being mindful is that something grabs me in a thought and I, it takes me down a rabbit hole or it takes me down mostly a negative thought process. I know that I've, I'm really becoming a victim to attachment, attachment to the thought, attachment to an outcome, attachment to a fear, an unrealized expectation somewhere in the future. So I think from, from a discipline, for me, meditation has really taught me about non-attachment. So I can have negative thoughts. I can have positive thoughts. I'm just not attached to either. Thoughts are just thoughts. And as you start to understand that thoughts are connected to intention and intention becomes how we create and how we create goals and, and outcomes and successes, et cetera. But it's also something that we can be in charge of is that if I want to redirect a thought, I have to unhook or unattach to the negative downward spiral that sometimes can, can hook me. So what meditation has taught me 
is to be mindful of, am I going down the addictive, am I getting a dopamine hit either way from a positive or negative uh, attachment? Or am I able just to observe? And I love um, when I get to a state, you know, with a client or with myself, when I can actually become the observer or teach them to be the observer, then life can start to flow on a different level. And then for me, that's when being present is also also finding that real comfort and uh, a very peaceful place of being present with somebody and not being attached to all the stuff that's going on on the outside. Well, that goes in place to the conversation about, you know, being mindful is one of the ways to improve your focus and improve your uh, attention, if you will. And we see that often is that being present, and I'm so guilty of not being present when I should be, but I often and intentionally bring myself back to being present. But it's actually a, it's intentional, to be mindful sometimes, if I'm having had a busy day, if I'm being distracted, if I've got my brain really rattling and going fast, it's hard for me to be mindful. And I notice that, and that's an observation. But these are things that in relationships and in, let's say, a business meeting or in a even a social setting, where being mindful is noticing your surroundings, noticing what's going on around you, noticing how people are energetically. And can you actually observe that, you know, something may be a little out of sync or somebody may be really kind of fired up about something. Are you, or excited about it? Maybe they won't have some good news that they're just looking for the right spot to put it. And you gotta give them the space to do that because you can see energetically that that's what they're trying to do. But that's also awareness. So I think mindfulness, awareness, and I'm gonna add one little twist in all of this, which is being thoughtful. And I don't think you can be thoughtful if you're not being mindful. That's just my theory that I made up in the moment, but that was random. I like it. You know, what's really funny is that you've always accused me of having this crazy memory. And I I know that it came from certain things, you know, what, you know, that I had to overcome when I was growing up. But ultimately, the only way I can have the memory that I have is that I'm present, fully present. People will say to me, you know, I'll say something about a conversation that I'd had months ago or years ago with somebody. And they're like, how do you remember that? Like, I don't remember that. And it's not that it's a memory thing. It's just, I believe it's the discipline, like you say, the habit of being really present to somebody when they're speaking. If you're present to somebody when they're speaking or sharing or or communicating, and you're not thinking about what you want to say next, there is a, a, a presence and a way of being that allows that memory or whatever it is to kick in. And I think that is also like resilience. I think it's a, a trained skill. And to be present to somebody, and for me, I have, again, lots of different clients and lots of different industries and lots of different levels, but it's important to me to remember each person's situation, story, as much as I take notes, yes. But when you're present to something, I think it also activates your ability to remember. And I think people want to be seen and heard and have conversations that you've had with them remembered. It throws people off, kind of freaks people out when I... (laughs) remember things, but I'd like to invite that or to, to help, you know, to ask you about that. Like we, you, you joke about my memory all the time. 
Well, yeah, because you've got this crazy memory. I, like, it makes no sense to me how you remember some of the things that you remember. I mean, you're brilliant at remembering names, and that's part of your gift. I, you know, I joke about you being my, my hard drive, you know, where I store data because I can always go back to you to get the information because I don't remember it, whereas you do. So I don't know what to say about that. But ultimately, you've got a great memory. You certainly are present in conversations uh, Frequently and consistently, you are that way. I'm less frequently, less consistently that way. That's something that I certainly note. You are very mindful, I know, in our relationship. You're very mindful, and that leads to how thoughtful you are in terms of how you and I communicate, but also how you look after me. And you do a brilliant job of looking after me, but I think that comes from you just being mindful, being aware of what I've got going on, and being thoughtful of what I've got happening so that you can then step in to kind of fill the gaps or to fill in what you see that I might need. And, you know, this many years later, you do a pretty great job of that. So that comes from being present. Now, I want to move on a little bit because I think there's something here that I don't want to step over, which is being mindful. This is a little bit about when we talk about often stoicism, right? What can we control? And ultimately, we can control very little outside of ourselves. But what we can always control is our reaction to any situation, to any circumstance, to anything that happens to us. And being mindful is being present and mindful of your thoughts, of your emotions, of actually having the awareness to say, how am I thinking? How am I emotionally uh, showing up? And if you're not reactive, it means that you are actually being present. And so before you react, you're having a moment in time where you're actually thinking about how you are emotionally taking the information in, how you are actually going to express that emotion or not. And that goes back to the reactivity. So that takes a degree of maturity in our mindfulness so that we can actually be aware of the thought process that we're going through. And I think that we see the highs and lows of emotionality in some individuals who seem quite extreme. I mean, they're way far right, way far left. They're either overly high, overly low, whatever that might be. And it's often in a reactionary kind of way. And in often what we would call overreaction, whether it be a high or a low, it's an overreaction. And it's because they're not actually being present to what they're thinking, how they're thinking. And as a matter of fact, it's never occurred to them that they have any control over how they're showing up and how they're reacting to that, because that takes a degree of mindfulness. And I think when we consider, you know, why do we want to be mindful? I think that when we look at the emotional capacity that we have or that we don't have, the highs and lows emotionally that we have or don't have, I think it goes back to being mindful, which is having that awareness of the thoughts that are happening, the motions that percolate and kind of show up for us depending on what scenarios are presenting themselves. So that's a little bit long-winded, but any, any kind of thing you would want to add to that? No, I think that's a very well said. I think ultimately the connection between self-awareness there's a difference between self-awareness and awareness. I remember years ago talking to somebody about, uh, I thought we were talking about self-awareness, but they were talking about awareness. And what she, what she was saying is that I'm aware of how all the people are screwing up and how other people have this issue and that issue and where they're wrong and they're wrong. But I was talking about self-awareness. And when, when I connect self-awareness to mindfulness, it's like, okay, so if I have this comment that I want to add now, 
is it kind? Does it make a difference? Is it really going to matter to this person? Or do I just keep it to myself? Mm. To me, that's self-awareness that's connected to mindfulness. You can be aware of what's going on around you and how other people are doing things and how, if they're screwing up, doing things right, doing things wrong. But that's an external way. And I don't think that's really an internal mindfulness skill. So if we connect self-awareness, let's say, to mindfulness, I think it's a lot easier to be present to other people because then you're not coming from ego. You're not coming from how this, how you're filtering it or how I'm filtering it based on what you're saying, what your experience is, or my history, your history. And to me, that's exhausting. When I can go away for seven days to an, a world championships or 14, 17 days to an Olympic games, I don't come home exhausted. And what I realized is that when I'm not present, when I'm distracted or I'm not being mindful to the task that I'm doing and had from the mundane all the way to the, you know, the championship level, is if, if I'm not being mindful, then what am I being? And if I'm not being mindful and present, then am I being authentic? And to me, trying to, you know, pr pretend to be mindful is exhausting or trying to pretend that I'm present to somebody else's situation is exhausting. So I just would rather not do that. So let's um, let's go down that rabbit hole a little bit. Well, I think there's something that you said in there that I want to just touch on quickly, which is, you know, there is a difference between being self-aware and self-conscious. And self-conscious comes from a place of either a lack of confidence and or the ego and you determining yourself of good or not good enough or worrying about what others are thinking about you. That's different than self-aware. So self-conscious is different than self-aware. And, and I just wanted to kind of shine a light on that because I think that some people may confuse the two. If you're listening to this and, you know, when we're talking about self-aware, we're not talking about self-conscious. We're just being self-aware. Number one, how we're showing up, how are we thinking, how we are emotionally showing up. And I think that's a, a significant difference than, you know, am I smart enough? How do I look? Maybe that's something that you want to be, you know, maybe that's something that brings mindfulness to it is having that awareness. But I guess at the end of the day, I wanted to just kind of make sure that we have a distinction between those two things because it's easily probably confused. That's such a good distinction. Thanks for that. Yeah, I think there's there's some other things that we want to look at, which is why do we want to be, you know, mindful? And it goes back to in order to be thoughtful, I really do believe that you have to be mindful. You have to be aware of your surroundings. You have to be aware of what's going on. You know, it's something that, you know, this is a bit of a tangent in terms of being mindful and and, and awareness of what your surroundings, what's going on in your surroundings. This is in a time where, you know, for the, I don't know if it's a weird rabbit hole to go down, but, you know, we look at what happens with anybody. I mean, it used to be, you know, women being afraid to walk down a street and, or walk in the street alone or go into a parking lot alone or be in a, in the wrong neighborhood alone. Got it. And they'd be really frightened, but there is a certain aspect and you say, well, how do we cut the chances of that happening? And one of the things is, is to be aware of your surroundings. And that's not to be freaked out by your surroundings, it's to be aware. And in that awareness, what we know is body language is really important. And I say this because that's being mindful. How are you showing up? How are you walking? Are you slouched over? Are you, uh, kind of, are your shoulders, you know, back? Is your head up high? Are you walking with authority, with intention? And these are all things that 
in that scenario, that's being mindful. And as weird as that example is, I just realized how weird that example is. I it think it's, it, it is, it is important. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's not a weird example. It's a really important example because what we're also, what you're also saying is that if we sin in the light of our truth, which we've talked about many, many times, and we're self-aware, we're aware of our, 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 our uh, environment, chances are, if it feels creepy into going into a, car, uh, into a parkade, whether you're a man or a woman, you're not going to go in, or you're going to go in with a certain level of confidence and make sure you got your finger on the buzzer of your remote control. Because mm -hmm. we don't know what's happening, but our spidey senses and our intuition, as we start to heighten it again, or heighten it, period, is that we know when we're safe. We know when we're being threatened. That level of awareness needs to keep coming back. That's a fight or flight thing, I think, that, that can happen originally. But if we don't bring that awareness to what we're doing, if we're super distracted on the phone, get in the vehicle and then get on your phone right away, and your door's not locked, you know what? You, you are leaving yourself vulnerable. So those types of things from a from a mindfulness, I think it needs, it just means, remember I used to say all the time, slow down, cowboy. Pay attention to our environment, pay attention to our surroundings, be mindful of what we're doing. Then we're also being responsible for what happens to us. So as we wind things up, what I want to get to with all of this is that, you know, there are the signals and one of the signals that we talk about is, are you being present or are you living in the past or the future? You know, that is driven by anxiety and worry. Are you looking into the future, worried what is, you know, to come? And also, uh, how much time are you spending thinking about or living in the past? What you've done, what you should have done, what you could have done, what happened to you? And, you know, one of the things that I've gotten really great at, which is I do still have my concerns about the future. I look in and I have to sometimes put in the correction for myself to not get too far out there. What are you worried about? What are the concerns that I have? And so I have to bring myself back. But the one thing is that I've really gotten good at, and it, just because I can intellectually grasp the concept, is that somebody once said, the past doesn't exist. Full stop. And they added to it is that the past is just your story. It's not the truth. And it, it's gone. There is no way that can change. Nothing that you saw or that you're giving, your, you're talking to yourself about really happened anyways. You're seeing it as a, through a set of filters that you aren't, you're not even in the same filters as you were when it happened six months ago, six years ago, 16 years ago, whatever the timeline is. So the point of it is, is that the future really is gone. It no longer exists. It's just your story of what happened in the past, and that's what we have to stay connected to. So being mindful is, are you living in the story of a past? And, you know, there's things that, you know, we create our future with things that we did in the past, and we look at it and go, well, we got a great outcome, so I want to kind of bring that past forward and repeat, redo, if you will, and uh, continue that. But at the end of the day, when we're being bummed out, when we're being distressed, when we're having this whole story about what happened to us in the past, we have to figure out a way to let that go. The past doesn't exist. It's gone. And it's just not real. Well, let's look at the other side. And, you know, what I've really seen over the last little while is with athletes, for example, and they've had a great game or they have a great skate or they've had a great uh, putt or whatever. They want to go back and recreate that. And that's, I think, also um, a bit of a challenge because we can't go back and recreate it. We can 
or recreate it, but we can create it. So when we try to recreate something or go, I just want it to be like last year's worlds or last year's competition will be amazing. I just want that same feeling. They're linking themselves back to the past. And that takes you right from the present moment and from the future state in the creating. So that's why I wanted to create being present, but also being mindful about honoring the past and understanding that that whether it was positive or negative, there's no relatedness to it to this present moment. So with my skaters or with the athletes that I work with, it, it's great that you had some great experiences. You maybe even won an Olympics or a world championship, but it's in the past now. If you want to create something, you can't recreate. You can create something new, but try to pull it from the past. That is a trap, 100% a trap. Well, we've all had that experience where, you know, one year we go on an annual trip, a ski trip or a birthday or whatever, and it was amazing. And all these people are there and we go, oh, we got to do this again next year. And because it was such an amazing thing. And then you do it the next year and it's kind of, it was okay, you know, because the magic's gone. And that is because of the expectation. You know, you can only recreate those in terms of I'm going to show up and be present and whatever unfolds, unfolds. All I know is I'm with this really great group of people. I'm not living into the past story of what that event was all about or what that experience was. That experience is over. What I've got is today, being mindful, being present. I'm here with these people and we're going to have some laughs and we're going to have a good time and whatever unfolds, unfolds. But if you live into the expectation that you're going to recreate the past because it was so amazing, uh, you're going to be let down. And I think probably over the years, there's very few people that haven't had that experience and know that, okay, that was an epic fail because you had the expectation that it would be what it was and it's just not. So these are things that we become, a, you know, become aware of, pay attention to. Uh, in the context of being mindful, again, if you're being mindful, it is going to include being present. It's going to include being thoughtful. It's going to be include being aware of your surroundings, uh, meditation, working that into your life. It is really about watching the emotionality that you have, the overreaction that you might have, being uh, and paying attention to the thoughts that you're having. Uh, are they are they self deprecating thoughts, for example, be mindful of that. So these are all signs that, okay, I got to bring myself into being present. And that will also help you emotionally be stronger, probably put you in a better mood if you're staying present and certainly uh, make you more enjoyable to be around for those that you're working with or living with or the relationships that you have. Uh, Stephanie, I'll leave the last words to you uh, on being mindful. Being mindful, being present, being aware, to me, it also makes it more fun. You know, and if it's not fun, let's not do it. If we, <laughs> right, if we're going to try to compare what we had in the past or how hot I was in high school or how successful I was back then and try to link it to the results of the future, then it's not fun. It's control and it's awkward and it's, it doesn't make sense because especially if you're meeting new people and they just want to be present with you in the moment. So you know what? Life is short have some fun be present don't miss a minute be mindful thanks stephanie you're welcome that was fun ladies and gentlemen thank you for listening if you found value in the podcast please take the time to rate and review and share with others share with your friends as it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you the listener 
If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.